As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Always envision what type of tenant this property is going to attract. And usually that will give you an indication on, should I pull the trigger on this one or not? Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, got two questions for you. And this is for my fix and flippers out there. One, are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line? And two, are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by reducing your loan payments to the bank or private lender? Of course you are, right? You're always looking to maximize the potential of your deal. So here's a solution. We got a solution for you through the crowdfunding platform, Patch of Land. If you're a loyal best ever listener, you know Patch of Land. They've been on the show many times. They've sponsored the show many times. They're back for more because they love you. They want to help you out. They want to add value to your life. And here's how they're going to do it. They have a solution to your financing issue of financing costs eating away from your bottom line, and they want to help you reduce your loan payments to the bank. So here we go. Patch of Land offers a fix and flip loan program that only charges interest on the funds that have been dispersed as opposed to the traditional model of lenders charging interest on the whole loan amount at the beginning. You save a lot of money this way. And it can be misleading when you get your terms quoted to you by the lender at a particular rate if they charge all of the interest up front versus upon distribution. Patch of Land's got a document that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper to educate yourself on questions you should ask the lender. Regardless if you go with Patch of Land, you've got to get this document to educate yourself on the questions to ask your lender to make sure you're getting the best financing terms. The documents at patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. That's patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Patch of Land, they can close in as little as seven days and they can help you through this program save thousands of dollars on your deals, make more money, and uh, have a better business and grow your fix and flip business. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today. John Larson, how you doing, John? Very good, Joe. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about John. He is the managing partner at American Real Estate Investments which is a provider of Class A turnkey investment properties. He's based in Dallas, Texas. In the first six months at 
his company. He purchased, renovated, and sold over 150 properties, netting over a million bucks. The website is areiusa.com. With that being said, John, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Absolutely. I've been involved in real estate since I've been a teenager. My family, they're all real estate investors. They're all people that believe real estate is their number one investment philosophy, build rental portfolios for themselves. They've been doing this for years. So as a young man, I used to work on the cruise and kind of be like the gopher, grabbing tools, but learning on how to work on houses, how to properly renovate homes. And then from there, I went away to school. I went to college, came back, got my real estate license and kind of just started doing investments myself and working with investors to build rental portfolios. Through that experience, and I crossed paths with American Real Estate Investments. They offered me a position with them to come on as their sales director, kind of led the whole sales team. And from there, made myself up to partner. So today, we were once located in Kansas City when I started working with them. We moved the company down to Dallas in 2014. And I've been working diligently to build this company into one of the top turnkey providers in the U.S. today. Congratulations on the evolution and getting in to be a partner in the company when you didn't start out that way and working your way through the ranks. One bullet point I didn't mention in your bio that I had in front of me, I should have, and you alluded to this, you started at an early age, but you started flipping houses, right? With your family? Exactly. Yeah. Some of them they would hold and they put in, my family basically has almost like a little fund of rental properties in Michigan where I'm originally from. But yeah, we used to acquisitions. I would do the acquisitions as a real estate agent and we'd work on the homes ourselves, just kind of keep it in house with the family. And then I would list the properties and sell them to just regular homeowners. So yeah, we had an active flip model as well. As a turnkey management company, how do you differentiate yourselves amongst the competition? Well, a lot of the things that we do, I look up to the guys over at Memphis Invest as well. I think they have a great model and I try and create my company to kind of mirrors what they do in terms of making everything very passive and white glove service, things of that nature. I would say the only difference is, is that we do kind of go after these higher end properties as well. I'm a real firm believer. Yes, I want to see cash flow. Yes, I want to see great returns, but I'm also really looking for safety. And I'm looking for properties in neighborhoods specifically that are more so heavily owner occupants instead of renters, just because I believe that those properties, especially in the Dallas market, are going to give you that greatest chance to see appreciation and Obviously, they're very desirable. And when you get these higher end rents, I'll produce properties that rent all the way up to $2,500 a month. That tenant, in order to qualify for that home, they need to make at least three times the monthly rent. So you're talking about people that make 100K or above a lot of times. These are the type of tenants that I'm placing these properties. So it really, really makes the whole experience passive for everybody involved. Mm -hmm. Myself, my management company, and the investor. So although on a spreadsheet, the rate of return might look slightly less than what my competition can offer, really my property is honestly, the safest property that you could purchase based on the neighborhood and based on the quality of tenant that I'm putting in the property. Love that point. That is a differentiator. I'm really glad that you brought that up. Let's dig into the neighborhood. You didn't say this, but I think what you're implying is the primary indicator for the neighborhood is that it's primarily owner-occupied homes versus rental houses. If so, is there a percentage that you look for? Usually, honestly, some of the neighborhoods that I'm buying in, Joe, like Plano, for example, here in Dallas, which if anybody does a research on Dallas, Texas, Plano is going to be an area that comes up. There's a lot of jobs moving there, a lot of Fortune 500 companies. Toyota was the most recent company that just moved into the Plano market. They brought 4,000 jobs nationwide. 
those neighborhoods are honestly 90% owner occupant, but these neighborhoods are still attractive for rentals as well, because all the new transplants that are moving into the DFW market and Houston market, which we're also in due to these jobs that are moving in here. A lot of times people have to move here for employment. So a lot of these people, they could purchase a home, but they just moved into Dallas and they're kind of feeling the market out. Dallas-Fort Worth is the fourth largest metro in America. So they rent for a couple years first, at least a year, if not two years, just to kind of feel the area out before they decide to go ahead and jump in and purchase a home. And honestly, really with my tenants, I'm only losing them to the fact that they want to go buy a property. When someone says, hey, I'm giving notice to move out, the reason 90% of the time is I'm going to buy a home for myself. Mm -hmm. And I would say that makes a lot of sense because on the flip side, I would suspect that if you look at the numbers, and I'm guessing, so I have no clue, but I'm, my guess is that if you look at the numbers for how long a tenant lives at a house, if they're in an income bracket that's around fifty to 60000 they're more likely to stay longer. And I know from my experience, this I do know, that my number one expense is tenant turnover. So with your business model being focused on people who make more money, therefore I would suspect live there a shorter period of time, that leads me to believe that the expenses would be higher than what the flip side would be. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, turnover could potentially be more frequent when you're dealing with higher end properties because you are going to lose tenants to the fact that, hey, I'm going to go buy my own home. The thing, though, about the DFW market in Texas as a whole, 400 people a day move into the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. So just in case we do have a turnover, I'm really able to get that property turned in seven days or less. Number one, the tenants that are staying in my homes, they are that higher income bracket. They just generally are more responsible and take care of things a lot better. So I really don't run into any high cost maintenance issues. The tenants take great care of the properties. I mean, literally, a tenant moves out of one of my homes in Plano or in North Dallas, wherever it may be. The house, I can move a new tenant in right away. It's like, it's clean. It's good. There's no holes in the walls. There's no stains on the carpet. There's nothing like that. The, the house looks move-in ready on that turnover. And when you have such a large amount of people moving in daily, it's very, very easy to rent these properties out and really keep them leased. I wouldn't say that all of the tenants that we have in our properties are leaving because they're going to buy their own home. Some of the people, they make 100K, but they don't have the best credit score. So they want to live in a nice neighborhood. They want a nice property, but they just can't either, number one, afford that down payment right now, or they just don't have the credit to get that good mortgage. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Plano. What are some other areas that you are looking in or actively buying? And perhaps it's not DFW because I see on your website like five to 10 different markets. In the DFW area, I'm focused mainly on, you know, North Dallas is where my higher end properties are. There's also pockets of East Dallas that are going through a lot of gentrification. You have a lot of young business professionals moving into the DFW area and they still want to live close to downtown. So there's a lot of neighborhoods there that are some older properties, 1960s, 70s builds, but you see fix and flip outfits in there, buying properties, renovating them, doing high end renovations, and then just selling them on the MLS to a regular home buyer. Well, there's also opportunity in there for guys like us to buy a higher end rental and put a young business professional type tenant in that property. And those areas are really super desirable just based on the location, the proximity of the property and the location of downtown, things of that nature. So I focus a lot in this Eastern part of Dallas as well. And then in South Dallas is kind of what I call my bread and butter rentals. That's going to be in like the Lancaster, Cedar Hill, Duncanville, DeSoto type neighborhoods, Seagoville, 
because those are the neighborhoods where you have more so 60%, I would still say, are on the owner-occupant side, but 40% are looking to rent. And that's where you have the rentals. I would say they're average about 1500 a month. So still really good properties. You still are dealing with a middle-class type tenant, but maybe down there you'll have a more of a longer-term type tenant, not as much turnover. Mm-hmm. You're not exclusively focused on the higher-valued properties. You're also buying properties that are less than 100 k Not as much. I do operate in Kansas City and St. Louis as well, where I would say those are my B-type properties. Still, I'm trying to keep my values at 100 k and above, in my opinion. 100 to 130, kind of in that range, where you have properties that are renting for around $1,000 a month. That to me is B grade property. So just a step below what I'm doing here in Dallas and Houston. But I would say the stuff in South Dallas is a little bit less of a barrier to entry. The price points are more so, I would say, 160 to, let's say, 200. Whereas the stuff in East and North Dallas, you're starting at about 200 and they're going all the way up to 300K. Mm. What are the types of average returns you're seeing on a typical property? And if you can define what that property is, if you're referring to the A or the B. B class homes on a cash purchase, you're going to be anywhere from, I would say, starting at about seven and a half to eight percent. It could get as high as nine percent net return. If you're going to take advantage of conventional finance, which I know a lot of investors are doing, why wouldn't you? We could get you anywhere from 15% on the leverage rate of return side, as high as 20 or more in some instances, because up in Missouri, property taxes are less. So you have less expenses there. Down here in Dallas, property taxes are a little bit higher. There's no state income tax here. They make up for it on property taxes. With my higher end properties, I'm starting at about on a cash purchase, probably anywhere from five and a half on the low end up to seven. And then on the leverage side, it doesn't affect the yield that much because you're putting a higher down payment down on the property. So even a $300,000 house, you're coming out of pocket 60,000 to purchase that property. So you're still kind of floating in that 6% to 8% range on my higher end homes. On the properties in South Dallas that I was referring to, where the price points are 160 to 200. At that point, I could get you starting at about 8% on the leverage side up to as high as 12%. And on a cash purchase, you're floating somewhere around seven, seven and a half. You started out not as a partner, and now you are a partner. What would be something, if you can put yourself in someone else's shoes for a moment, what would be something they'd say about you for why you're able to grow with the company that you're with and eventually become partner? Something about myself, number one, it's it's hard work. That was the thing that stuck out to the guys at American Real Estate Investments, James Wine. He's an older gentleman now. He's in his 70s. So he wanted to take a step back in terms of the day-to-day operations. And I felt like he could trust me. I was a loyal guy, someone that came in and put my head down and worked hard right away. As you said at the beginning of the show, I bought and sold basically almost wholesaled 150 properties for them right when I started on in 2014 and made the company a million dollars. So that was probably something that I notched in my belt that got me on the fast track to become a partner of this company. But I think it's just my relationships that I build with my clients. I feel like my clients can trust me because they know I'm trying to do the right thing. And there's other turnkey providers out there and other companies that they try and spice up these properties on a spreadsheet and show you these high rates of return, but they don't really explain the, the common risks that are involved with those type of properties. And I know the risks that are involved with those homes because I started off in Detroit producing these C and D class properties stuff that's selling for 60K and below. And I've seen everything that can go wrong with these homes. And that's why I try and steer my investors into 
really safe investments where I know I can consistently put really solid tenants in the home, tenants that I know are going to pay rent every month. They're going to be super low risk for eviction. We don't have evictions in our market here. When's the last eviction you did? We had a guy move out earlier this year because he was going through health problems, but he just came in and dropped off the keys at our office. We don't have evictions. I would say we did have one last year. And the thing about Texas is it's very landlord friendly. I got to give them that coming from Michigan where it's very tenant friendly and it's a pain to evict people out here in Texas. You you sign a lease and you go to court. If it gets to that point where you got to go to court, you just show the judge, Hey, they signed a lease and they didn't comply. They're out within 30 days. It's really easy. But when you're dealing with that higher end tenant, so to say, more responsible tenant, I guess I would say someone that has a better job and makes better income and just is just more responsible, better credit score, things of that nature. Those are the type of people that pay their bills. And if they can't afford their bills, they're going to come to you and say, Hey, I can't make the payment. So unfortunately I'm gonna have to break the lease and move out. I don't have to evict them. They just hand the keys over. And that's a good experience. Those are the type of experiences we want. So even when we have to make that call to the investor, like, ah, your tenant moved out. It's not like, Hey, we're going through an eviction. It's like, Hey, they moved out and the house is in great condition. We could lease it today. In that scenario, you really can lease it within seven days of someone moving out and someone can be moved into that house in seven calendar days. This is the hottest market. I truly believe in America, Dallas, Fort Worth, the amount of people that are moving into the market. It's so hard to get your hands on good opportunities and get your hands on inventory down here because there's so many people moving in. When we do have a turnover situation, obviously we're notified 60 to 45 days from the expiration of the lease, the tenant's saying, I'm staying or I'm leaving. If they're leaving, we already start pre-marketing that home. We have a list of tenants that my leasing people are the busiest people in my office. We have a list of potential tenants that we could reach out to and say, hey, this property is going to be available on November 15th. And they'll just say, boom, here's the deposit. All right, I'm good to move in on November 15th. So when that tenant moves out on November 7th, we go in, we spice it up, clean it up. If there is any work that needs to be done, which is very rare, we get that completed and we're ready to move that new tenant in right away. But that's the demand that we have in this market. What are you applying in your current business and your current role that you learned at your first role? And if if you briefly just describe your current and first role just to set the groundwork. When I first started with the company is kind of heading sales and, and things like that. Yeah. I still have my hands in that. I have a client who was a very successful businessman and he invested with us when I first started with American Real Estate Investments. And uh, I started to try and pull myself out of sales more and more and just kind of focus on the education aspect because we also provide a lot of education as well on how to do this yourself and things to look out for potential pitfalls when investing in real estate. So I kind of started gearing more towards that. Well, he reached out to me to buy another home and I redirected him to one of my investment coordinators, I call them. And I said, sir, I've kind of pulled back on sales a little bit since I became partner and I'm kind of heading up and overseeing the company transaction. Obviously, Joe, you know, there's a lot of things involved with companies like this and with real estate, a lot of moving parts. And he said, John, can I give you a piece of advice? He said, never pull yourself out of sales. (laughs) He said, it's the most important part of your business. So I kind of took that to heart. And still today, I deal with the investors, I deal with client relations, but I'm overseeing things on the property management side. I still will consult with investors, serious investors, investors who are ready to pull the trigger right now. And I still keep in contact with our current client base. But right before I jumped on the call with you, I was with my transaction team doing a closing meeting and just going through each contract and where we're at in the process, where are we stuck on closing this deal and so on and so forth. We do that once a week. So 
my hands are kind of just everywhere in this business. You said one of the responsibilities is to oversee things on the property management side. What's a process that has been enhanced since you've been overseeing it? Well, I would say it's something that we implemented with our property management team to just add extra customer care and customer service. I mean, we call them investor concierge. So after we sell a property, transfer ownership to one of our investors, they're assigned an investor concierge rep, which is basically a liaison between AREI and American Real PM, our management company, but they really work more so on the American Real PM part of the business. And that's just that person that's reaching out to you once a month to make sure you collect your rent. And if there are any hiccups with the investment, we're calling you and giving you updates and kind of explaining where we're going with the next step. Because I just believe in communication is key with these investments. Most of my investors, I sell these properties worldwide, but most of my investors who invest with us are out of state or out of the country. So we just really try and keep those open lines of communication. Based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? That's a good question, actually. There's a lot of... (laughs) Honestly, with what I try and tell all my investors is kind of the way we let off the show. With me... I'm really looking at neighborhoods and properties that are going to attract, if you're talking about rental properties, and that's kind of my forte, that are just going to attract the best type of tenant. You can really look at a neighborhood and you can really look at a home and you could, it's common sense. Anybody, I don't care if you're a new investor or a seasoned investor, you'll be able to look at a home maybe in just outside the downtown area of Dallas that's a three bed, one bath, almost looks like a shack. You got to think about what type of tenant is that property going to attract and is this going to be the safest investment for my money? In my opinion, I would say no. I would steer clear of that. So I always try and tell my investors, always envision what type of tenant this property is going to attract. And usually that will give you an indication on, should I pull the trigger on this one or not? Makes sense. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got the document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan, and conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Tired of the noise in the real estate investing space, but still want to light your business on fire? Real Estate Deal Talk is an original source of radio shows, podcasts, case studies, and articles devoted to real estate investing for investors by investors. Discover more at realestatedealtalk.com. That's realestatedealtalk.com. Best ever book you've read? Honestly, it's something that was referred to me by Fortune Builders. It was Exceptional Service, Exceptional Profit. Best ever deal you've done? That's a good one. I would say when I was working at Max Brook Realtors, shout out to Max Brook in Birmingham. I used to work for a luxury brokerage. I sold a $2 million home. I was just started as an agent. I would say that was probably the most rewarding feeling and pretty solid commission check. After doing that, why not continue to do that? Because Michigan is honestly kind of up and down in terms of the real estate market. You know, uh, Bur- Birmingham meaning Birmingham, Michigan. Yeah, Birmingham, okay. Michigan. I was yeah, thinking yeah. Alabama. All right. Anyway, go ahead. Just being a retail agent, obviously, you know, things can go up and down. Things are very cyclical. Also, when dealing with buyers that are looking to purchase a home themselves, they're buying on emotion. They're not necessarily looking at numbers and what makes sense, right? So I just kind of veered to the investor side of things or steered back into that because of the fact that investors are kind of looking at numbers and what makes sense. And it doesn't matter if it's summer, winter, whatever it is, investors not going to turn down a good deal. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? 
selling it too early, I would say, before I had my GC go out and actually perform the final rehab bid on the property. That's something that I'll never do again. Obviously, you get estimates on what you think the rehab is going to be while you're going through your underwriting process. Well, I sold it to an investor and said, oh, yeah, I'm thinking in my mind it's only a 35K rehab. Well, no, my GC goes out, turns out it's a 60K rehab, took a loss on that one. My partners weren't too happy about that. So even the pros, even the pros, Joe, make mistakes here and there. <laughs> what is the best ever way you like to give back? Honestly, I'm mentoring. I actually, believe it or not, I have people that will email me, find my contact information, young guys, like just like myself when I was young, trying to get started. And we'll reach out and say, hey, John, do you mind if I come by your office? I just want to pick your brain. Or I just went out to lunch with a guy the other day. He was just getting into real estate. And so I feel like giving back is just kind of sharing the knowledge that I have. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? The best way would just be to hit our website, www.arei, stands for American Real Estate Investments, USA.com. We have a contact us page, but we also have resources on that page. I've also started a web series called AREI 101. The first episode is actually why I stopped buying C-Class Investments. I also interview Scotty Mitchell, who's the COO of our management company. That's on episode two. The first three episodes are coming out here shortly. Then I'm going to add to that each month, but that'll be a great way to get some great education for newbie investors. And like I said, there's a lot of other good resources on that website as well. But if you want to contact me, just put your information on the contact page and one of our investment coordinators will be reaching out right away. Thank you for being on the show, John. Thanks for talking about how you differentiate your company from others, and that is the types of properties that you purchase, which consequently you've got a different resident, one who earns more money and is able to pay for a higher rent. So that's one, the higher earning tenants, but then two, the owner-occupied neighborhoods. You gave the example of Plano being 90% owner-occupant. You look at other areas, but really that's where you all differentiate yourselves is having those class A type of properties, a little bit less return, a little bit less risk. So there's risk adjusted returns. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, Joe, do you mind if I just one more point that I kind of forgot about there? Yeah, sure. Another reason why I like to buy these properties in these better neighborhoods is it gives my investors multiple exit strategies as well. So when you're buying properties, just trading on cap rate, whether it's single family homes, whether it's a multifamily apartment building, whatever it may be, if you're pigeonholing yourself in a neighborhood that's more investor-owned, where you don't have as much or as many people looking to actually purchase properties in those neighborhoods for themselves, it's a neighborhood full of landlords, you're really not going to be able to get that market value for the property. You're going to get offers based on how much income the properties produce. Another reason why I buy these properties in these nicer neighborhoods is just in case these investors, obviously with rental properties, we want to go for that long-term hold. But let's say you need to exit out of the property or let's say your property appreciated $100,000 or $50,000, whatever it may be, and you want to sell it and cash in on that equity. I can help you achieve that with my homes that I'm doing right now in Dallas, those ones that rent for that 2000 to 2500 in these nicer neighborhoods. So hopefully that makes sense to the listeners as well. I want to give you multiple exit strategies just in case we need to go down that route. John, thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. I really appreciate you having me on. Tired of the noise in the real estate investing space, but still want to light your business on fire? Real Estate Deal Talk is an original source of radio shows, podcasts, case studies, and articles devoted to real estate investing. For investors, by investors. Discover more at realestatedealtalk.com. That's realestatedealtalk.com.